Well, good morning. It is uh, good to see you all this morning. Uh, it's good to see some of my family here. They surprised me this morning. I have my aunt along with two of my cousins there. Uh, they're currently in the process of moving to South Carolina, uh, right around where Kayla is at right now. Uh, so they'll be hanging out some in the future. Uh, but it's good that they came to surprise me. It reminds me once, uh, these people are awesome. They were, I would say they were like our best friends, but they, they are our best friends. They were in Michigan, and uh, they're awesome, because uh, one, one example of them surprising me uh, is my birthday is in July, uh, July 9th, and uh, my family was never really big into birthdays. We just didn't, I didn't really have, uh, when I was younger, I had like a party with my sister since we were around, born around the same time of the year, um, but uh, school begins, um, and it's, it's probably in October, I believe, and uh, my, my aunt and uncle and their family host a surprise birthday party for me in October, <laughs> when my birthday's in July, so <laughs> they're pretty awesome, good to, good to have them here, but good to have all of you guys here uh, as well, as we are currently uh, going through a series where we just started last week, a back-to-school series. Um, as we can learn a lot of lessons that apply to us here at the church that we learned back when we went to school, way back when, for however long, for some of us may be, it feels like forever for me. Um, one lesson we talked about last week uh, is that attendance is important in school. I mean, you'll fail school if you don't attend school. And so we talked about the importance of Sunday school and, and the importance of getting involved there and with our other small groups. And, and we, we took a look at the value that, that it has and being active in a part of, of those different small groups that we offer. And this morning, the lesson that we're going to be talking about as we look at getting back to school um, is we need to realign our priorities. This is a good lesson that you learn as kids um, when, when you're in school, as you need to have a set number of, of priorities, you need to have boundaries in your life. And, and in school, you can't be active in everything. When, when I was in high school, I was a part of the soccer team. Uh, that's really, that was my favorite part of school, hanging out with my soccer friends. I, I loved soccer. Um, so much so that, that I'm coaching soccer now uh, with two of our little girls here. Um, but I love soccer. Um, I was also part of the marching band for two years. I wasn't really super passionate personally about the marching band. I pretty much mostly did it because my two older siblings did it, and, uh, and they were really passionate and big into it. And so I kind of just followed in their footsteps. But I definitely liked soccer more than marching band. Well, whenever there was a conflict between marching band and soccer, the school set their priorities for me. They made me go to the band events and made me miss out on the soccer events. And I hated that, man. I hated having to go to these, these band competitions when, when, my, when my best friends from school were out there playing soccer, and, and I did not like it. I wanted to set my own priorities as soccer was def definitely a bigger deal for me. But also another lesson uh, that, that I learned in going to school uh, was that I had to prioritize my schoolwork over playtime. I'm not sure about you parents out there, but there seemed to be a constant struggle between my mother and I about getting my homework done when all I wanted to do was just play. She said, Kyle, get, get your homework done with, and you can just enjoy the rest of your evening. It's like, I don't want to. I want to just play and have fun. I don't want to do my homework. 
And I see a couple of you parents out there. Yeah, that's us. Uh, I'm sure many of you guys can relate uh, with me there and and being the parents or or maybe a couple of you guys, the kids out there and the parents just nagging you, hey, you got to prioritize the homework, dude. Um, But yeah, we, we learn in school that we have to set certain priorities in our life. And this is so true in the church as well. When we look at the church and how we can apply this lesson, we need to realign our priorities. And we're going to take a look at the book of Haggai today, or Haggai. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Haggai. I'll give you about 10 minutes to find the book of Haggai, because it'll probably take you all 10. Uh, it's one of the, the minor prophets. It's, it's the smallest uh, book in, in the Old Testament. Uh, two chapters, Haggai. Um, but Haggai goes over a, a great lesson in how we should set our priorities in life. And so I'll give you a little context uh, of Haggai while, while you're trying to find it. Um, mine's page 1027, if that helps you any. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably won't be much help to you. But uh, before uh, Haggai was written, uh, if we remember from the story, uh, we talked about Daniel before. We also talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before. We learned that Babylon conquered the nation of of Judah. So here, King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, they went into Judah and they conquered Judah. And when they conquered Judah, they pillaged the cities, they they, they looted the cities, they, they totally destroyed the cities. And they took captive with them um, some of, some of the, the best Jews in the area. And so the, the cities of Judah, Jerusalem, were destroyed. Jerusalem was completely destroyed. I, I imagine it's quite similar to what uh, the, the Bahamas are currently going through as their, as their place is, has been destroyed um, by the storms. Just like that, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by these Babylonians. And so the city had much rebuilding to do. And so about 50 years later, after Babylon conquered Judah, uh, King Cyrus, king of Persia, came along and he conquered Babylon. And King Cyrus is kind of known as a hero for Jews because King Cyrus allowed the Jews to go back to their land. So here are the Jews living 50 years in Babylon as captives and their homeland destroyed. After 50 years, uh, about 50 years, they were able to return to their homeland. They were able to return to Judah. And so these Jews, they returned to their homeland, but again, their homeland was completely destroyed by the Babylonians. Their their cities, Jerusalem in particular, particular was destroyed. And and before Babylon conquered Jerusalem, uh, they they built the temple there. The the temple resembled God's presence to the people. The the, the temple was super important. It was the center of their worship. But, But the temple was destroyed along with everything else. And so as the Jews moved back to Judah, and as, they, as many of the Jews settled in Jerusalem, the capital city, some of the Jews had the great idea of rebuilding the temple. And God was a fan of this. And so they, they were started to rebuild the temple, and they laid the foundation of the temple. Now the problem is the, the surrounding nations didn't like the idea of the Jews rebuilding the temple to worship their God. And so many of the surrounding nations harassed and persecuted and ridiculed the Jews for rebuilding the temple. So how did the Jews respond? Well, they responded by, by building the temple right then and there and saying, take that nation, we have built the temple of God. No. 
they stopped building the temple of God. They, they, just laid it at, they, they just laid the foundation, but they did no other work in rebuilding the temple. And 16 years pass with the Israelites not rebuilding the temple. And so that's where we pick up in the book of Haggai. So if you have your Bibles, again, you can read, and again, the verse will be up there. We'll start in chapter 1, verse 1. And it reads, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shaltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you, have, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. And so here we see at the beginning of this book in Haggai, we see that the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. A prophet is merely someone who, who preaches or teaches the word of God unto other people. We often have this idea that prophecy is all about future events, and yes, oftentimes it is, but it didn't necessarily have to be about future events. Here, the prophet Haggai was talking about the current circumstances of Judah, and so this word of the Lord uh, came to Haggai, and he spoke to the governor of the land and to the high priest. And he says in verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now remember, this is 16 years after that they laid the foundation of the temple, but they stopped because of the persecution that they faced. But the people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the temple. And God says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Think about what you are doing and saying that the time has not yet come for us to rebuild the temple. Because here, it talks about how in verse 2, it says, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Um, but in verse 4, it says, It is a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins. So here, the Israelites, the, the, the people of Jerusalem, they, they were rebuilding their own houses, their own homes. They were rebuilding them. They were living in these paneled houses, but they left the Lord's house in ruins. They left God's house in ruins while they were busy building their own houses. And God talks about how uh, they, that they need to consider their ways as, as they sow much, but only harvest a little, a little. They eat, but they're never full. They drink, but they're never, never quenched of their thirst. They clothe, but they're never warm. And they earn wages, but it seems like they earn wages just to put it in a pocket with, with holes in it. I, I imagine we can all feel like that at times. So we continue in verse 7. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. 
Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, on all their labors. So again, God, God replies to the Israelites and them saying, the time has not yet come. God says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. And, and so, so God tells them to go build my house. Go up to the hills and bring the wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. As again, God's house, the temple, resembled his presence to the Israelites. The temple was so important to, to, to the Jews. But they didn't think the time had come yet for them to rebuild the temple. And God thought that they needed to consider their ways. God thought that they need to consider their ways. In other words, God thought that they need to consider what they were doing or that they need to consider their priorities. As they prioritized building their own houses and living in these panel houses, but they did not pri- prioritize the building of the temple. And in verse 9 says, You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. God says, you were doing all this work. You, you were seeking to feed yourself. You were, seeking, you were seeking to get drink. You were seeking to clothe yourself. You were seeking to, to earn wages and build these houses. And God says, I blew it away. Now, you, you see, a, a lot of times uh, we, we blame our problems on the devil. You know, the devil got me fired. The devil ruined my friendship. The devil did such and such. The devil tore down my house. In many people's lives, the devil gets more press time than God does oftentimes. But here, it didn't say that the devil, that Satan blew their house, blew what they had away. It says that God blew it away. God is the one that caused temporary disaster upon the lives of these Jews as they were seeking to eat, but they were never full. They were seeking to drink, but they, were, they never quenched their first. They were seeking to clothe themselves, but no one was warm. And they, they were seeking to earn wages, but they were just putting them in a pocket with holes or in a bag with holes. And so God is the one who blew it all away. He blew it all away. Because let me tell you, God would rather you go through a temporary season of frustration than to build your, your whole life on a false foundation. God would rather you go through, through a temporary hard time, difficult time, trials and tribulations than for you to build your whole life on false foundation, on the foundations of this world and that you need to, that, that your desires, your priorities need to be on the things of this earth. No, God doesn't want that. And God is willing to do so much for you to realize, so much so that at times God is willing to send bad things our way so that we would consider our ways. He, he asked a rhetorical question, why, why did I blow it all away? Why, why did I take that all away from you? Because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Why did God do all this to the Israelites? It's because their priorities were not in line. Because the Israelites prioritized their own houses 
over the house of the Lord. They concern about their homes before the temple. They prioritize their home life before the wellness of the church. And so we continue in verse 12, and it says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, the governor and the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. In the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I'm with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnants of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So here we see uh, the, the last passage that we read here of the story that the, the people listened to God. The Israelites listened to God as God said twice to consider your ways. Consider what you are doing and build my house. And so the Israelites, they realized they, they did not have the, the proper priorities in life as they prioritized their own house before the house of the Lord. And so the Israelites corrected their ways and, and God blessed them. And God said that I am with you declares the Lord. And so they responded, and they corrected their priorities. And so we, the church, the lesson that we can get from this is that we need to realign our priorities in life. Just like in school, when you learn the simple lessons of priorities, and you have to prioritize your homework over your playtime, just like that, we have to set certain priorities in our life. And we can learn from the example of the Israelites. As the Israelites did not get it right, they eventually corrected their ways and they rebuilt the temple. But initially, they had their priorities all wrong. As God told them to consider their ways. And see now, the Israelites, they, they, they didn't say that they were never going to build the temple. They didn't say we were never going to build the house of the Lord. Whereas if you go back to verse 2, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. They didn't say that they were never going to rebuild the house. They, they just said that they weren't going to right now, that the time has not yet come. And I think that the Church of America is a church, not necessarily of the never, but we are a church of the not now. Uh, we, we, we can maybe do that later. And again, it brings me back to my time in high school. And I share with you guys this before, but I had many opportunities in high school to present the gospel message to my friends at school, these people who needed to hear the message. And my thought process was, oh, I'm never going to share the gospel with them. No, I don't think anybody here would say, no, they're never going to share the gospel message and be a good disciple but my message, the, the, heart, the, the message on my heart was, eh, not now. Not now. Eh, the, the time is not right now for me to share that gospel message. And I fast forward six, seven years in my life, and I say, well, I was gonna. I was gonna. I was gonna do it, but instead I said, not now, and I never got to it. See, the, the Church of America is not a church of never, but we're a church of eh, not now. We'll, we'll just push it off to later. And when you do that, you, you'll never get around to doing it. 
I, I wonder if the Israelites would have ever gotten around to building the temple if God had not intervened and God specifically tell the Israelites to, to rebuild the temple. I imagine they, they, they would have gone years and years and years and possibly never would have rebuilt the temple because it always would have been and now is not the right time. And so when an opportunity is thrown your way, you can't say, eh, no, now is not the right time. Because I'm telling you, in five or 10 or 20 years, the message is going to be, oh, I was gonna. And I don't want you to have that regret that I have where I say, ah, I was going to do something. I was going to work for the Lord, but I decided I was going to keep it off a bit. Don't do that. Make God a priority in your life now. Because your actions speak louder than your words. Because I would have absolutely said that God was my number one priority in my life, but my actions tell a different story. My actions tell a different story. As, as I, just like the Israelites did, say, and eh, now is not the right time. And I imagine many of us, many of you guys can, can relate to me or the Israelites here, and, and you saying, and eh, now is not the right time. But then you realize you never get to it. And that shows that God is not number one priority in your life. And if you don't make God the number one priority in your life, I'm telling you, I guarantee you, you will never be satisfied in your life. You will never be satisfied. When you don't start your process with God in the center, it will always end in disappointment. And it did with the Israelites here. As it says in verse 6, if you go back, it says, You have so much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. And I'm telling you that applies to this day. People who do not put God as the number one priority in their life, they are never, ever satisfied in their life. I mean, we look at some of the richest people in the world, some of what we would think some of the most satisfied people in the world. Well, those richest people, all they do is they desire to have more money. They're not satisfied with it, what they have currently. They want more. We look at some of the most powerful people in the world, and what do they want? They want more power because they're not satisfied with what they have. We look at some of the most beautiful people on earth, and what do they want? They want more beauty because they're not satisfied with the beauty that they have. We look at some of the most famous people in life, and what do they do? They seek more fame because they're not satisfied with the fame that they have because, let me tell you an important truth, you will never be satisfied if God is not number one in your life. You will never be satisfied if God is not your number one priority. If you make God your number one priority, not only will you uh, partake in God's coming kingdom, but life will be better now. You'll, you'll enjoy life. You'll have a deep sense of satisfaction if you, if you seek to please God and that be your number one priority in life. And again, with, with the story in Haggai and the example of the Israelites, the Israelites, they, they weren't acting maliciously. They weren't doing wicked, evil things described in here. They weren't beating each other up. They, they, they weren't killing each other. They weren't lying to each other. They, they weren't doing these malicious acts, but God told them to consider their ways. Why? why? Some of us may ask, why? Why consider they, they weren't doing any bad things? The problem that they had, again, is that they weren't making God their number one priority in their life. It wasn't bad that they were building their houses. 
I mean, I mean, working with your hands is good. It's not bad to hang out with your friends at school or, or your coworkers or whatever it be. It's good to build relationships. It's not bad to be on social media. It's good to, to release some stress at times. It's not bad to focus on your family. I don't think anybody would say that's a bad thing. But these things become bad when we prioritize them over God. When we prioritize our house over God, it becomes bad. When we prioritize our friends over God, they become bad. When we prioritize social media over our friends, it becomes bad. Even when we prioritize our family over God, then it becomes bad. Because God must be your number one priority in life. Not even your family should come before God. For God should be the number one priority in your life. And so we as Christians, we need to realign our priorities. We need to learn from the lesson of Haggai and the Israelites. We need to learn our lesson that we learned in school, that we need to have the, the appropriate prioritizations in our life. And the priority that we need to have in our life is that God needs to be the number one priority in our life. I don't think any of you guys would disagree with me in saying that God needs to be the number one priority in our life. And I'm sure many of you guys say that, that yes, God is my number one priority in life, just as I did in high school. But let me tell you, actions speak louder than words, unfortunately. I wish words spoke louder than actions at time, but the truth of the matter is that actions speak louder than words. So the question then is, what does it look like to make God your number one priority in your life? What does it look like to act on this belief, to act on this prioritization that God is number one in your life? Well, when we're talking about priorities, you give to what you love and to what you prioritize. God serves as the ultimate example of this, as God loves you and God prioritizes you so much so that we, that we read in, in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only begotten son. When you prioritize something, you give to it. You give your resources to stuff that you prioritize. And we're talking about prioritizing God number one in our life. You must give your resources Unto God. That's what it looks like to prioritize God number one in your life is you must give your resources to God because you give to what you prioritize. And some of the big resources that we have in our life, one that, that probably comes to mind right away for many of you guys is money. That's probably the most common resource that people talk about. So when we make God the number one priority in our life, you got to give back to God. You got to give money to God. As a, as a common resource, we, we, we work for money. Money in and of itself is not a bad thing, but the love of money can become bad. And when we misuse that money, it can become a bad thing. But if God is the number one priority in your life, then you should be giving back to God financially. For you give to what you prioritize. Probably the biggest resource that comes to mind for me and probably the most important resource that we have access to is time. Time. Time is so 
valuable. You can't get more time in your life. We're reminded of that when we go to a loved one's funeral, is that time here on this earth is limited, and I'm sure people pay millions and millions to, to, to get more time in life, but we don't. It's, it's a limited fun. It's a limited resource. Time. Time is our most valuable resource. And so when we talk about prioritizing God and what that looks like, and and we determine that it means giving our resources to God, that we must give our time to God. When we look at our daily schedules, we say God is the number one priority in, in our life. That should reflect in your schedule. That should reflect the time that you spend as, as time is our most valuable resource that we have available. And so when you look at your schedule, I, I ask that, that you reflect honestly. Do you give God uh, the scraps of your time? You say, God, I don't really have enough time to, to sit down and, and pray with you, but uh, I'm, I'm on my way to work or I'm on my way to school and I can pray for you then. You can get the scraps of my time. Or God, I, I don't have enough time to, to sit down and really focus on your word, but, but I might come once a week to hear your word spoken or preached. If you look at your schedule, if you look at the actions that, that you partake in, does it show that God is the number one priority in your life? And many of you guys may say, well, I'm busy, and I believe it, as the society is so busy, the society throws so much at us. But let me tell you, you find time for what you want to do. You find time for what you want to do. If, if you really want it bad enough, you'll find time to make it happen. I, I know that's true, as I have a very busy life, but yesterday I wanted to watch college football. So what did I do yesterday? I watched college football most of the day because that's what I really wanted to do. And because we find time for stuff that we want to do. And so if you want a relationship with God, if God is really your number one priority in your life, no matter how busy your schedule is, you will find time for God. It's just a matter of priorities. It's a matter of what we prioritize in our life. And so it's my plea, it's my prayer this morning that that we can all learn this example, this lesson from the Israelites, that we need to realign our priorities. As the Israelites, they, they did not have the proper priorities in place as they prioritized their own house over the house of God. And God told them to consider their ways. But what I love about this story is that God gave them a second chance. God gave them a second chance. Here are the Israelites, the people of God, the people whom God later sent his only son for them. God gave them a second chance. God recognized that they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, and God God instructed them, and God gave them a second chance. And the Israelites took up on it. They prioritized the temple. They, They prioritized God number one in their life. And the beauty of this story is that we have that same access. We have access to a second chance. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're you're realizing that, yeah, maybe God isn't the number one priority in my life. Well, I got good news for you. It's not too late. It's not too late to realign the priorities in your life. It's never too late as long as you still have the breath of God within you. It's never too late to realign your priorities. 
But don't say that the time is not now for you to realign your priorities. Because not in five or ten or twenty years, but at the come the resurrection, you may say, Oh God, Jesus, I, I was gonna do it. I was going to seek you with all of my heart, but I got so busy. Don't say that the time is not now because then it will never come. And you'll be pleading to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I did all of this for you. And Jesus will say, I don't even know you. And I don't want that for you. So you need to realign your priorities and you need to do it now because we're not a people of never, but we're a people of not now. And we're people of, well, I was gonna. And come the resurrection, there's not another chance. You are to be judged then and there for what you have done on this earth. But it's not too late, but act now and prioritize God number one in your life. And if you prioritize God in your life, he will provide for you. I just want to close uh, with the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 on the Sermon on the Mount. We've looked at this passage before, but, but Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and God will take care of it all. And all these things will be added to you. So if you make God number one priority in your life, God will take care of the rest. For God has got your back. God laid down his one and only son, Jesus Christ, for you so that, you could, so that he could have a relationship with you. So that you could prioritize him number one in your life. So we need to realign our priorities, church. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for uh, this day. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the wonderful church family where we may, where we may lean on one another in times of need and rejoice with one another in, in times of rejoicing. Father, I pray, it's my prayer this morning uh, that your church here, your, your people, your family, your, your sons and your daughters here may realign their priorities and make you number one in their life. And God, your, your son Jesus promises us that if we make you number one, if we seek after your kingdom and your righteousness first, then all these things will be added unto us. And Father, I just pray that we can take that on faith, that your son Jesus is a man of his word and that you care for us and that you will provide for us. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the love that you show for each and every one of us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.